Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host and I am very excited to be joined once again by my partner in crime and co-host. He is the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express, the Grayson Murphy to my Grayson Allen. Phil Vondra, welcome back to the Pain Cave. So good to be back. It feels like it was only yesterday when I was here last. So, so good. It's amazing. It, it does. It feels like only yesterday and somehow okay. it was. Deja vu with you. Well, we had a an absolute all-timer for our guest yesterday, which... By the time everyone out there hears this, they've probably hopefully listened to that one a few days ago. And tonight we have yet another just all-time classic guest here. We are super excited to have one of the best ultra and trail runners in the country and really the world today. And the pride of the Beast Coast is here with us tonight. He is a record-setting ultra runner and multi-race champion, runs for Hoka One One, Goo Energy, Ultra Aspire, and Drymax, among others. Patrick Regan, welcome to the Pain Cave. Hey guys, nice to be on. Thanks, thanks for having me, Jason. Philip, real pleasure, man. We're real psyched to have you, man. This is great. And uh, yeah, we're gonna have some fun tonight with our twenty questions. But before we do, Phil, what are we drinking tonight? So tonight I am going with a Jackie O's beer. It's called Who Cooks for You. It's a hazy pale ale. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have a local running buddy whose brother owns this brewery. So occasionally he gifts us some of these nice cans. So, uh, yeah. Love Jackie O's. Good shout out there. Who cooks for you? That's a, um, I think, right. isn't that like a, uh, that's what the, the, one of the owls is supposed to sound like or something. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right. Well, last night, um, uh, I did not sleep well after that beer I had last night. It was delicious, but 8% and 16 ounces. I can't do that anymore. I'm too old. So. I'm kind going with right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm going with a Peak Organic uh, Slim Hazy. It is a kind of an IPA light, or I guess a, an, you know, what do you, uh, like a session IPA, so. All right, cheers. Nice. Cheers, everyone. What are you cheers. drinking, Pat? What do you got? Cup of coffee. I've got some hot apple, uh, apple juice here, some hot <laughs> apple cider with uh, no booze in it tonight, man. Uh, sorry guys, uh, it, you made me feel like we should pause for while you're introducing your beers. I should, I should run and go get some booze, but feel free uh, if you want to grab. I ended up with tea as well. I, I, I've got some tea <laughs> and I've got some water, so I, I don't have booze upstairs. Tonight. Tea and apple juice. <laughs> Phil, he's putting us to shame here. Yeah. We, we usually get put to shame, you know, like we're normally boozing something and people are being like a little more sensible, but yeah, I think Sabrina had sparkling water last night. Yeah, I've got a nice... <laughs> I've got a nice sticky stout in the fridge down there. Uh, I'm trying to think of the company, but it, it's like a sticky brownie stout, and uh, it's super good, man. Ooh, that's right. You let it get out. to about cask, you know, 55 yeah. degrees or so, and it's awesome. Nice, nice. All right, so Pat, we're gonna do our 20 questions. This is a kind of a new thing we've been doing recently, and and what we like to do is kind of take folks who are you know out there in the ultra world, and definitely people have heard about, you know, folks like. Like we said, Sabrina, who we just had on, yourself, who have had a ton of success and have probably been on about 800 different podcasts and told the same stories over and over. And we're going to try and come at it from a slightly different way. Part of this is our interest in, like, what are the elites doing? You know, like, how do you prepare for certain things? You know, are there patterns that we can pick out? And then part of them are just, like, fun questions that, or we hope fun questions that people may not have asked you before. So uh, we'll go as, as fast or as slow as you like. If you feel like you, you want to tell us a story, go off, go, go for it. If, if it's a quick answer, that's great. And we'll just blow right through them. You ready? Perfect. All right. Phil, as always, you have the first question. 
Oh, all right. Sounds good. All right. So I am going to go with what is your kind of go-to pre-race meal? All right. Uh, I usually go with oats and uh, chia and like a hemp seed in the morning and in the oats with uh, with a nut butter. I've been doing a lot of the Boone nut butter, which is uh, like a goo shoot off company. Um, I like their like ginger almond butter a whole lot. So, so that's kind of the core of my breakfast and I'll usually pair with like banana and coconut water. Nice. Oh, that actually sounds yeah. interesting. Sounds that, very good. That sounds like a real, that's a meal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sounds cool. That's a, yeah. It's a meal, but, but probably about three hours from the start of a hundred, you know, and then right. kind of slowly trickle, like maybe an hour and a half out, do like a, a stroop waffle and a banana. Mm-hmm. And then even like another stroop, like right on the starting line basically you know so kind of gradually let those calories kind of trickle in you know got a bunch of initial calories that kind of absorb nicely into the body you got the secondary kind of meal where it's starting to get absorbed the other one's going to kick in 45 minutes you know 30 45 minutes after you start the race so that sounds smart i'm making sure and and especially especially not heavy like protein or fat uh within like two and a half hours of the event I, i try to stick to that um the the two to to three hours out so that you know i can digest there with a little coffee um and then very heavy carbohydrate for the lead in and then all the way through the event as well for sure cool i'm gonna piggyback off that Mm -hmm. first one with a question we like to ask what's your go-to aid station food chips potato chips man chips and watermelon i like to just like for states, you know, that they, they do it real well where you run through and they've got basically like watermelon pops, like in the form of popsicle sticks, dude, yep. where they leave a little rind on the bottom, you know, nice. and you could just stow that like in your belt. And then I run out with just a handful of chips, handful of watermelon or a couple sticks of watermelon. Um, those are like my go-tos in an aid station. Those are my two favorites. We uh, we did a an episode where we drafted different parts of an aid station, and I think everything that Phil drafted had watermelon in it when we did that. <laughs> I think yeah. I got, what's your salty snack? I said watermelon with salt on it. But like, if you put salt on watermelon, I love it. All right, go ahead, Phil. Question oh, yeah. three. I, I think oh, my sorry. first my first javelina. Oh, sorry, man. Uh, my my first javelina. Uh, I think I ate a watermelon and a half, like just at, uh, like between probably all the aid stations, but I, but I think my folks said they went through an entire watermelon and that's just at headquarters. So I eat a whole lot of it. Um, I love it. I think it's just a great snack. A lot of people I think struggle with the fiber of it a little bit, but, but I, man, it's, it's been killer for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I love it. If I see an aid station, I'm straight in there. Yeah. Cool. Me again. You're up. All right. Um, so what is the toughest race you've ever run? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't run a lot of, as people know about me, I don't, I don't really do extremely hilly or technical events. Um, I would say that, you know, the most mountainous thing I've done is OCC, which is like the baby race of UTMB, the 56 K there. Sure. I wouldn't necessarily say that was the toughest because I don't, I don't really know if I was at full capacity or full effort still kind of coming off the back of States. Um, the toughest competition in an event I think I ever had was, was probably States last summer. The toughest I feel like I've ever pushed myself uh, to the absolute bottom of the well was Brazos Bend by far. Um, I think Brazos Bend last December is, is as hard and probably as well executed as a race as, as I've ever had, um, yeah. for sure. Watching you at Brazos. So Phil was, Phil was in the 100 with you. I was in the 50. 
watching you at Brazos, especially those closing laps, was unbelievable because you just you looked like you were getting stronger as it went on. And I know I know that uh, who were you running with for most of the day? Who was up front? Because I know he was he was really putting the screws to you at one point, and you just never looked like you were under any pressure. Even when he got a little bit of a lead, you just looked so relaxed. You like you knew exactly what your plan was, and, and watching those last couple of laps was unreal. Thanks. I, I think I really think it was the best I've ever felt in the ladder of a hundred. Um, and, and I think even if you were to you know to go through like the archival stuff, if you were to run through Strava and check it out, I mean. I, I did feel as though I was physically running a 10K at the end of the, the 100, it, right? It looked like, like it. The, yeah. the mile splits felt like they could have been as hard as a 10K. Wow. Mile for mile, pound for pound. But <laughs> but the funny thing is you look back and you say, well, that's a good like three minutes per mile off of your 10K <laughs> PB or whatever, two and a half, right? Um, but I swear, man, like, like those final miles, it, it's the same sort of feeling at the end of, of an event like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Ryan Montgomery, especially pressured me, like right. That's Ryan was. Yep. was coming on really, really hard towards the end. Um, I'm sorry, but I, I forget the fellow that was, that was leading for a long time. Um, I, he had some unfortunate issues with like hyponatremia that day, I think, but it was the perfect storm of like having someone to push you, you know? Right. And, and, and I had someone to look at, like at, at the halfway at the 50, he was maybe two minutes up. So I could keep him in sight on that course, but but I also could constantly see the pressure from like Ryan Montgomery and Ronnie Delzer behind, you right. know? So it was the perfect storm of like, we saw each other often and you guys know how that course works with the out and backs. Yeah. Know? There's a ton of out and backs, right? You're always seeing everybody. And that's, you know, I found that race really tough just from the kind of the, um, you know, the, re- the repetition of it. I mean, it's, you know, it's super duper flat obviously, and it's very fast, but, um, you know, sometimes, especially over the course of a hundred, you really need to change up the the foot strike pattern. You need to change up the muscular stress, and and every freaking footfall is the same on that course. It is it's basically like like running on a track. So, uh, yeah, that'll wear you down after a while. So an alligator. Yeah, you've got to have pretty on point running efficiency, running economy. Yep. Uh, to to name something of that. I mean, what is what eight hundred feet of gain? Yep. Eight hundred right. feet of loss. Right. <laughs> like there's no change. Right. Right in terms of the muscle groups you're using. Exactly. All right, mm-hmm. I am up. I am gonna say, why don't we go with, what's your favorite beer, speaking of beer? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with some local stuff that you guys may not have heard of. Uh, there's a great brewery in town called Two Tides. Uh, I really dig their sours. They do a lot of um, sour, sours with lactose oh, that nice. I'm really digging lately. They have one called Chromatose that I, I like a lot. It's a berry-based sour. Um, they also do some great like gazettes and farmhouse ales uh, as well. But, but Two Tides is probably my favorite brewery in this area. Um, and then my most like probably my favorite, most accessible beer around the country is a uh, good summer beer that that hell or high watermelon. Um, that's a good 10th one. Amendment that, you know, that, that's that's one you can a little watermelon base for Philip <laughs> there. But you can drink that on the beach uh, anytime in uh, in my region, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, a good one. one. Uh, yeah, gr- grisettes and, and farmhouses, that's my jam. That's uh, I, I could drink those all day. Oh, yeah. All right, all right. Phil, number five. Uh, what's your bucket list race? What do you, what do you really want to do? Spartathlon. Wow. Oh, yeah, uh, be cool. two, 256K from uh, Athens to Sparta. And, you know, if we uh, we ever get past the uh, the apocalypse here, um, 
you know, through it and out the other side. I, I really hope to run that event at some point in my career. Yeah, that, that, that that's my bucket. That, that would line up perfectly for you for your skill set. Yeah, you know, a lot of folks talk UTMB, um, and I, I think I will run UTMB someday uh, when I feel maybe that I'm in a region more capable to prepare perfectly for the event or, or to the best of my ability. I, I don't know if I'll ever be in that um, that high alpine type region necessary for maximum, you know, performance there. Um, like maybe Tim Tolfson or Jim goes up to, you know, Colorado in the summers and that right. and really nails, you know, ha- they have a great chance to nail UTMB. Um, but, but I think for me, you know, maybe like you guys had said, I really want to get more into the 24 hour type stuff. And I think, I don't think the track is so much for me in terms of like something I want to do often, but I think the point to point type stuff, like Spartathlon or, or Badwater are, are really the ones that speak to me a little bit more because they are on the, the road and more runnable trail when they do pop on trail. Right. Um, and they also have the heat element, which I really have an affinity for yeah. with where I live. So Yeah, that was my next question, actually. It was going to be hot or cold weather. Well, there we go. It's a perfect segue, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was going a little long on that one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, hot weather. I mean, uh, between, I mean, I think folks know I like it from running Havelina for three years in a row uh, and, and liking it so much that I went back to pace in a pandemic this year. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, lo- I love hot weather and I really like the desert running, um, which, which kind of leads me to say, you know, another bucket list is uh marathon to sob. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to go run the, you know, six days, seven days in the Sahara. I, I think that would be really cool. So. Have you, have you ever thought about doing ball state? The- uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> one. It's, I mean, it's 500K. Phil, I, Phil, was, I think. Phil was third there this summer. Oh, you were, Phil. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I don't keep up with it a ton. Um, it, it's a Laz race, right? So it's yep. quite – that sadistic feel. Um, <laughs> I, I have a good, good Vol State story uh, from my friend Rich McKnight in Arizona area. Um, he was in a convenience store, Phil, uh, and he left his iPod on the counter in the convenience store right? and he left and the person that owned the convenience store called Laz's patrol person that was in the region said, one of your runners, you know, this is what he looked like. He left his iPod and Phil was running down the road. He's like, Oh, where's my iPod? I must've dropped it. Oh, did I leave in the convenience store? Oh no. You know, it was like, he was in a bad patch. It was kind of, the music was dragging him through a little bit. And the person sweeping the chorus came up and said, Rich, did you leave something to give me a store? Is this your iPod? And he said, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And he's like, that's fine. You can have it. But if you take it, you're crude, not screwed now. And he was in the screwed category. So she, by picking his iPod up for him, it would take him from the screwed category, which is uncrewed, into crude. And, and he didn't take it. Like, she, it was such torture, you know? Oh, my God. And she's like, I'll have it for you at the finish line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just like, fuck it, I'll buy another one. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> totally. Phil, you, Phil, oh. you were screwed. You were the first screwed runner. If, if that had happened to you, what would you have done? I would have run into a Walmart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what, though? Towards the end of that race, even going to a Walmart's too far. You're like, I don't want to walk 500 yards off the course. Oh, man. 
Oh, man. All right, Phil, you're up. All right. Uh, do you have a coach? Um, I, ha- I haven't had a coach other than for the Western States build-up for a long time. Um, Magda Boulay uh, coached me from like January to Western States last year in 2019. Um, I've coached myself through like most of my ultra running. Um, I I like to say I have some wonderful advisors, uh, especially Magda, uh, Ian Sharman, you know, I, I bounce a lot of ideas off of Ian, uh, and he's very gracious with his time and, uh, Zach bitter and and myself, you know, I, I like to think of Zach as an advisor, but, but I don't have a formal coach. So you have some good advisors. I was going to say that's a, that's a tough team to beat. I should have guessed. I've tried. I've tried to surround myself with, with really good advisors that are also really good friends of mine, right? And uh, that they're wonderful people too. I, I feel fortunate to, yeah, yeah, to have them as as my friends, you know. Cool. What's your taper strategy in the last week or two before a race? How do you how do you approach the taper? Uh, eat ice cream. <laughs> uh, don't do any workouts. Run about forty miles the week before a hundred and jog two or three days in the approach to the hundred the week of. So no, yeah, no workouts I don't do in, much at all. No workouts in the week or 10 days before. No, the 10 days before. Uh, so I would say 10 days out of a hundred, I'll usually do my last kind of double digit run. Okay. Like maybe just a 10 miler with, with some faster strides at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two weeks, you know, if I have an ideal buildup, I, I run my last kind of 60 ish mile week, like, the ending two weeks before consider it the 20 days right to to the 14 days or so day 20 to like day 13 don't do any i don't do much at all in the approach you know like i I really let the bottom drop out probably i would say maybe more than a lot of pros um i I really just try to appreciate the taper and you know my my, from a coaching philosophy standpoint I, i believe all the work's in within you know, with 20 days to go, the, all the work is in. Sure. You can only cause cause harm at that point, in my opinion. Yeah. I just, you know, it's always interesting what, you know, how people feel, you know, rest versus kind of like getting stale. And some people like to throw a workout in just to kind of, you know, something light, but which you're probably getting with the strides just to keep yourself feeling kind of sharp. Yeah. I traditionally like two days of strides a week, which to me, the strides are as much like long-term they're, they're great efficiency economy work to just improve your running economy. But in the, in the proximity terms of being close to your event, I think that they, they keep you woke, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they keep you in a position where your body knows the work isn't over that you have something important approaching. Yeah. So to me, it's more about activation in those final stages. Yeah. Phil and I are both uh, Dave Roche clients, so we are uh, definitely down with the the year-round strides scenario. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, those guys, Roche, Roche, Roche does it a lot, right? Yeah. Him and Megan. Yeah, it's there. that's a staple. All right, Phil, number nine. All right. Um, which celebrity do you wish would follow you on Instagram? Uh, Bill Stevenson, the drummer for The Descendants. Yeah, you had that if one teed up. consider Bill to be uh, a celebrity um or 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 maybe uh maybe fat mike of no effects okay right very cool um those would be my my probably two guys we uh yeah we we know you have a big music background you're uh definitely you're spinning uh tunes on instagram every night basically um and we'll get into that a little bit what's your what's the uh, 
normally we'd say the most recent concert you've been to, but in, you know, these times, it's not like people are really going to concerts. So either the most recent concert you've been to or your favorite concert ever. And I know you've been to a lot of concerts. Can I do both? Yeah, do both. <laughs> uh, so my most recent one, um, I, I, I almost saw a Big D in the kids' table and Real Big Fish in my hometown, like Scotia, you know, right before I left. And I decided I was getting ready to leave for Tarawera. In February, I went there to race in New Zealand. So I, I skipped the show. And I was kind of bummed. Like, I was like, ah, man, it was, it was like a mile from my house. I could have rode my bike, could have had a bunch of beers. <laughs> but my friend Chris Brown lives in California in Santa Barbara. Sure. He was living in Santa Barbara area. So I flew in and we flew to New Zealand and on the flight. He was using the airplane Wi-Fi and he said, dude, like Fletcher and Jim, like Pennywise is playing in Auckland tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were getting off the back of like a 20 X hour flight or whatever. And, and we took a two hour nap, did a quick run. And then we, we just walked down the street, like in a total haze, like, <laughs> you know, over the international dateline. And we went to see Pennywise. And I remember just being so foggy and, you know, they were playing like all the classics, bro him and, you know, so on and so forth. And I was just like, not enjoying the show, man. <laughs> like Fletcher was, you know, he's like six foot eight or whatever. And like, I just wasn't digging it. Cause I was like, so drained. Um, so that those that was the most recent show I saw, and then the pandemic hit. Um, I was hoping to see a bunch of great stuff, like Bad Religion and uh, Alkaline Trio were doing a, a big tour through my area. I was hoping to see the Mountain Goats a lot this year yeah. in the southeast. You know, they're right up in uh, Greensboro. Um, my favorite show I ever saw was uh, man, it's really really tough. Uh, my favorite festival I'd ever been to is probably Harvest of Hope. Uh, it, it was a great lineup of like Riza and Jizza, the mountain goats, like uh, propaganda, original bad Brad brains lineup. Uh, it was awesome. Um, I, I would say my favorite like series of shows I've ever seen though, are the world Inferno friendship society shows. Um, friends, Nicolea, the, the whole state used mm -hmm. to play in that group and they would, they would do, you know, fantastic Halloween shows. They always came through Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, they put on some awesome shows at, uh, down in Pittsburgh that, that I loved. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Phil, you're up. All right, I am back. When you're racing, what uh, what motivates you when it starts to get really tough, when it's starting to suck? Uh, I'm a very process-oriented runner, so I, I think a lot about all the work that went into it. Um, I try to put myself in a position uh, in, say, within a 100-mile race at mile 62 that I'm kind of licking my chops and ready to make some big moves and big pushes. So I, I think what tends to motivate me is when I start to, to pass people like, like I had last year at Western States and around forest Hill. And there there's tons of motivation there for me, whether it's an event like comrades where I move up a lot or Western States where I've had a chance to, you know, capitalize in the latter stages of it. Um, it's always motivated me a lot in the latter stages to be improving my placement. Um, so I think for me, that's, that's always, you know, that always pushes me over the edge a little bit, you know, every, every person you kind of pick off, it's uh, it's really positive vibes when when you're rolling and running really well towards the end. Awesome. Cool. Good answer. I like it. All right, Pat, who is your all-time favorite runner? That's, yeah, it's tough. Um, uh, probably a modern runner, uh, Courtney DeWalter. Yeah, uh, I mean, I answer. just think she runs with such class. Yeah. Um, Definitely. You know, from an ultra-running perspective, the way that she carries herself – 
Um, the way that she interacts with the community is, is pretty outstanding. Um, from more of like a legacy perspective, um, I really admire uh, what like Tim Tweetmeyer had done at Western States, um, you know, getting five wins, but then going on to just have such a legacy there for like decades and decades and decades. Yeah. That's, that's always really impressed me in terms of uh, his longevity. Yeah. So I, I really admire longevity. That Those are probably the two in ultra running that, that I would say I have a, you know, an affinity for. Great answers to all time, yeah. all time Hall of Famers. Phil, you're up. It's one of my favorite questions. If you could go to the Olympics in any event, but non-running, what would it be? Um, who? Probably curling, man. It's pretty rad, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, you can say curling if you want. <laughs> yes. Curling's the right answer. With with, <laughs> I think with my current look of like having. Couldn't you guys see me on like Team USA a little burlier with this with yeah. this mustache? Yeah, with like the just running the brush, man. Yeah, put a sweat. I, I put think a sweater I'd totally on. be the guy that would run the brush really fast <laughs> and just back up and like drop the brush, you know? Yeah, uh, curling, man. Have you ever totally done the other end of the spectrum? Have you ever done curling? No, I'd love to. Oh, it's super no. fun! It's super fun. Plus, there are not a lot of Olympic sports that you can drink while you're doing. Oh, totally, yeah. And if <laughs> right, right. The bar to discuss what they can do better the next day. All the other <laughs> other athletes go to bed, go to have a meal. You know, they're like, let's go to the bar, have a couple of beers, figure out what we can do better tomorrow. You know, I mean, they're a, they're a <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice answer. Like yeah, that. man. And I I really enjoy that event. I mean, you can just sit there and watch it for hours. It doesn't go too fast. You can kind of chill and watch it. You know. No, it's great. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's a, it's a there's a lot of drama too. It's very dramatic. Like you know what, what's going to happen. For like, sure. The blocks are moved. And yeah, the tension, their strategy. It's it's very cool. Mm-hmm. What is your worst DNF or epic race fail? Mm, I you know knock on wood. I haven't DNF'd an ultra. Um, r- race fail. You know, I would I would consider maybe like the latter stages of a hundred. I feel like I kind of just fell apart or dropped. Um, pr- probably in ultra running, like my biggest race fail was Chattanooga stage race, where I, w- I just wasn't being careful in this one section, and like I, I DNS the stage race. I didn't start day three, so mm. I, I technically DNF the stage race. Right. Um, that's the only one, I guess. Like you know, on my ultra running track record, that, that looks like a DNS. Right. Or, right. You know, it's a DNF of the stage. Was the it last a, stage, so. just not not staying up on your recovery from day to day? I had a really bad ankle roll. Oh, okay. And my my right ankle was very softball size, and I, I couldn't start day three. Like I had yeah, a feeling, funny. like within an hour of the race being over, that like I had such a bad sprain that I just there was no way I was going to start it. Gotcha. You know. Yep. Yeah. Smart. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, it's me. Yeah. What's your favorite race? Havelina. Yeah. I figured you might say that. You've, you've had some great runs there. It looks amazing. Is it as much? It's of, a wonderful course. And is it as much of a party as it is made out to be? Yeah. It wasn't this year, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in most years, I mean, yeah, it's wild, man. I mean, you'll come into mile, uh, you know, 80 at Jackass Junction and, uh, J-Lo, J-Lo, he's, he's running a dance floor and it's like a disco party dance floor on the Sonoran desert floor. (laughs) 
And, you know, you can see like bobcats and like javelina and there's rattlesnakes like on the course and stuff, you know, and uh, you roll in and and there's a bar. I mean, you can take a shot of like Goldschlager or Fireball or whatever you want. Like they'll give you whatever you want. There's just like endless booze out there, you know. So it's a big time party. Um, And the cool thing is you run that course washing machine style. Right. So that's that's where all the energy is at, like no matter where you're at in the race, you know, you know, if, you, if you're leading a race, it can get kind of lonely. And, uh, especially if it's a big loop or point to point, but there you run against the, cur- against the current sometimes, right. right? You got people coming at you. You got people coming from behind you. You're passing people going your direction. Um, and you see wacky costumes, you know, you see people like huddling in the shade of like a saguaro cactus man you know and they're like <laughs> like trying to find shade like huddled against a cactus you know like there's no shade out there so it's a brutal course and and i think it it gut checks a lot of people they look at the profile and they say oh yeah like men can go 12 30 there no problem but then they try it and it's it, man it, it really bites you like loop four if you're not careful in the first three you know um it's an interesting race in that way where with 8,000 feet of vert, it, it looks like it should be much faster, but it's very tricky in terms of, you know, you really need to pay attention to your body and topical cool. I, I love the intricacies of the course. I, I think little things, choices you make along the way are really important. Yeah, that sounds awesome. We, we got to get oh, out there one day. I mean, I, I really like the look of it, um, and it really does look like a party. I mean, is it is it the Burning Man of Ultra? Well, there is a Burning Man Ultra, so... <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, it is in that way you know other than what the burning man 50k or you know the burning man of ultra though might be uh lewis escobar's event the, bor- out there the born to run California, yeah. Right? right yeah born to run is probably the burning man yeah, of that, ultra, that, but that sounds Abilene about right is up there you know those are your those are your two for sure yeah yeah well when you said gold slugger i'm like that sounds good yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean Depending on the person. <laughs> if you could be any cartoon character, which one would you be? Rick. From Rick and Morty's Morty? uncle. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, man. He's terrible. I mean, you know, he just does what he wants. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's like, Rick's like the punk rocker of like all cartoon characters. Where he's like, ah, no, nah, just get in the car, Morty. I don't care if your parents don't want me to do it. He's like the old punk rock grandfather, you know? <laughs> That's great. All right, Phil, I think we only got four left. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going in with this one. Do you play a musical instrument um, or, and, and or what musical instrument do you wish you could play? Well, we know, we know you play an instrument. You were a touring musician for a number of years. Tell us about that and then, like, yeah, maybe what instrument do you wish you could play? Yeah, so I, I played primarily washboard percussion and some small very you know very small touring groups i was fortunate to play with musicians that were a lot more skilled than me um but i I had a great time you know played a lot of like ragtime jazz kind of tin pan alley tunes from pre-world war ii music and uh i mean i I played for maybe an hour and a half today now i play uh, i didn't play much like string instrument stuff in those groups but I have a I have a 1937 like national tenor guitar, oh, which man. is a, a steel body tenor guitar. Um, I'll show you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's let's right see, here. let's yeah, see. Yeah, it's it's a real uh, got a little my little uh, 
vintage kazoo. Oh rack. my god! It's like an old brass <laughs> kazoo, it's a beautiful '30s brass kazoo, and it resonates really well. But the sound of uh, this instrument's really nice. Where? Oh yeah. You know, you get really nice intonation That's from great. it. Um, so it's beautiful. I, I play now for maybe an hour, an hour and a half a day. Um, and I, uh, I, I play a little bit of ukuleles. Uh, I have an old thir- 1936 uh, melee banjo It's like a banjo-bodied ukulele. It's soprano-sized. And, and that's that's on the other side of the room. Wow. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm playing a lot right now. I'm, I'm playing with a few guys, good friends of mine in town, and a, a female fiddle player. And it's nice. It's nice to reconnect with the with musicians for sure. That's awesome. All right. Question 18. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 10 duck-sized horses? <laughs> oh, man. Um, can you run to exhaust them? <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, like they do, like, uh, like on the Kalahari. You're going to fight them like a Bushman. Yeah. Uh, sure, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to fight the... Uh, I'm going to fight the horse-sized ducks, and I'm going to exhaust them, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm going to fight them. <laughs> i got to say, one horse-sized duck sounds pretty vicious to me. <laughs> well, if you if you run him for a few hours, exactly, and you just man. walk up and wring its neck. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phil, question 19. All right. Um, well, I'm going to go with a little bit more of a serious one. Not that exactly serious, but... What do you what do you see the changes in uh, ultra over the next five to ten years? Um, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of changes with uh, you know larger companies um, coming in and sponsoring athletes. Uh, I think that was the not that that hasn't existed for a long time, but I think the sponsorships have become quite lucrative uh, for top athletes. So I think that you can make a career out of it, and that it's potentially as lucrative, if not more, than say road marathoning. Um, you're going to see, I think a ton of like 210 to like 215 male and a ton of like, you know, 220, maybe six to like 240 female, um, marathoners come in. Right. And I, I see the 50 K world championships and like the hundred K world championships becoming extremely competitive, um, along mm-hmm. with people really pressing the limits on road ultras. I think that's the mm-hmm. most palpable area for for your, your converts, you know, um, I, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more athletes like Hayden Hawks or Ashley Hawks, right. Come out of university and be, be top level cross country runners and, and go straight to ultra. Right. I, I think we're going to see way more of, of that as well. So it's, yeah. I think we're, we're destined for a really competitive sport at this juncture, <laughs> yeah. which is great. You know, yeah. I, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, no, I, I, I think it's really interesting what you're saying is that, you know, these real fast guys kind of coming out of college and, you know, maybe sort of the, the middle area of like the fast marathon people coming straight into ultra because now it's actually can be a profession. You can make a living. So kind of interesting that uh, that space will be filling up with those people. Like you said, getting uh, very expensive. Sure. Yeah, I don't essentially know if it it will make like trail hundreds uh, much different. Cause I, I think right. for example, like Megan Arbogast loss or, or like, uh, Jeff Browning, you know, Pam Smith, like they're kind of masters of that discipline in a way where it's a very specific niche where 
it doesn't yeah. so much matter what your marathon PB is to to do like super well at Western States. Yeah. Right. But I think that if you you know for every maybe one out of ten athlete like that with insane marathon credentials that converts really well to trail yeah. and can eat really well, you know <laughs> the golden ticket races to get in Western States are going to be brutally competitive right. in future years for sure. Right. Um, yeah. I think the other big change that we're, we're seeing this year is, you know, this is uh, this is a pretty serious global pandemic. And, and I, I don't necessarily think it's like the only one we'll see in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does that change the scope of like how far runners travel and are able to travel mm-hmm. to go to big competitive events? Right. That's an interesting, um, that's an interesting I myself, point. I'm, I'm going to just compete in the U.S., in 2021 i am not gonna plan an international race next year right just i don't want to see him get canceled and i I think it's probably the responsible thing to do as an athlete uh to try to stay like somewhat in your region yeah and and what we've seen in the last few years (laughs) is a lot of the top u.s athletes especially going overseas uh more and more uh, to you know the the big races over there and not just the utmb festivals but you know, a whole bunch of other ones that we see as well. And, and that's, I mean, I think that's been great for their profile and been great for the profile of, of the sport in this country. Uh, but you're right. That may, that may take a backseat for a little while. Yeah. I I've been one of those athletes that, that is fortunate to, to see many wonderful places because, you know, a, a race took me there and I'm, I'm missing that a lot this year. Yeah. Uh, but I think that our, our civic responsibility, um, goes, it's just more important from from the perspective of taking care of business right now until yeah. we get through this. Well said. You know, sounds good. Pat, our last question is: What's your post run ritual? What do you What do you like to do after you finish a hard workout or something like that? Um, let's see. My the first thing I do is usually come back in the house and uh, yeah, I'll just give you the whole rundown. Um, I usually roll indoors. The dogs are going crazy, so I let them out. Uh, the cats are trying to get out, so I make sure to not let them out because uh, we have two indoor cats. Um, and and then I, I go straight to make a smoothie, you, you know, usually 30 grams of protein with a blend of uh, like the goo roctane protein powder. Um, I love that stuff, like getting essential amino acids right back in your body, combining it with like a Greek yogurt, like fahe um, or faya, whatever you want to call it. Um, chia seed, you know, like a, a a plant-based milk, um, and some frozen fruit. And, and I usually ingest that immediately and then get straight into like mobility and dynamic stretching work. Um, I usually do about like 20 minutes of mobility and dynamic stretching, like directly after the run. And then I usually roll into my strength routine. Um, and, and some days that could be, you know, so, so that whole process might take 40 minutes to roll into strength. And then I might do about 40 minutes of strength five days a week. Um, I'm a big believer in the, the weight vest, um, so I do a lot of work with that. That that's kind of a the impact that Magda Boulay and Roxanne Vogel had on me coaching and working with me for Western States. I, I took and retained that. So I do the weight vest uh, two to three days a week, um, and then <clears throat> I also do you know core strength training routine mm-hmm. three days a week that I think has really helped me to correct some of the problems I had maybe pre ultra running or in 2018 when I was sort of neglecting that kind of stuff. Right. What do you do with the vest? Is it, are you like doing hiking with the weight vest on or are you doing actual like body work stuff? Yeah, I do a good bit of body work stuff. Um, 
anywhere from like push-ups and dips um, with like 40 pounds of vest on person to step ups and step downs to work on quad strength and durability mm-hmm. and, and glute activation. Um, you know, even calf and like, you know, the eccentric motion for, for the soleus mm-hmm. um, to strengthen around, you know, to prevent Achilles problems. That's what step ups, step downs are great for side lunges with like 30 pounds of weight on person um, air squats with like upwards of 60 pounds on person. Wow. Um, so I, I do, I do a lot of that kind of work. Um, I also use five pound ankle weights to do a lot of like, uh, abduction, adduction, um, hip flexor and glute strengthening. Mm-hmm. And that's usually in standing position, but, but can be flat as well. So, so that, that routine takes me about 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I do that two, two times a week. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Patrick, this was fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Jason and Philip, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed hearing about your experience at Vol State a bit too. And uh, maybe you can talk me into that one someday. Yeah, I, I think you love it. I really do. It's, it's a real adventure. You sit out there and you don't know what's going to happen, you know. He says um, that to everybody. <laughs> Mate, no, I mean, seriously, I loved your answers. Really interesting, kind of different, some of them, which I thought was kind of cool, your take on stuff, which is really nice uh so yeah it was awesome thank you man yeah thanks guys i enjoyed it appreciate you having me on yeah thanks patrick this was really great until next time in the pain cave keep putting one foot in front of the other broken down and beaten up the years have been long and tough but i'm not dead happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head I'm not jaded, just been faded Like a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car That's drove a little too far And seen too much rain But long ago as a child I look about the night sky And I wonder man And ride the bus and feel upset Still